Hello, Whiskey Files, and welcome to another episode of Pot Still Radio. Dave Glare, Falchikadi, and Shut A Pot Still Radio is Misha, Maihu, Haini, and Gioni, Augustinu, Tome, Ansos, the Mar, Tome, Lesh, Namunator, the WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, Mr. Dahi O'Connell, Falchikadi, and Shut A, Dahi. Gormagat, Massa, Digwit, Dave Glare, also. Dave Galer also. Uh, welcome to the world of podcasts. This is Potstilled Radio. As always, I am your host, Matt Healy, and we are having a fantastic return to the Potstilled Radio universe with Mr. Dahi O'Connell from WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants and the Bill Phil fame. Welcome to the show, Dahi. Thank you. Good to be here. And before we get kicked off, we do want to say a word from our sponsors. Firstly, irishmalts.com who have all the latest and greatest Irish whiskies, gins, and putchings delivered straight to your door. Visit irishmalts.com to browse their full range. And what's your treat this week? Why not enjoy a clo and 10-year-old cast-strength whiskey or a delicious flame-fed pot-stilled putching? All available online. Check out clonedistillery.com for more information. And for this episode, most importantly, the Bill Phil, the triple-distilled peated single malt by none other than W.D. O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell Whiskey across all platforms, or visit WD O'Connell for more details. And do remember that both the Cologne and the WD O'Connell whiskies are available from irishmalts.com. So, Mr. Dahi O'Connell, how are you doing? Where are we catching you in the world? Are you in Ireland? Yeah, doing very well. Thanks, Matt. I'm at home in the kitchen in Strad Valley County, Waterford. Oh, not too bad at all. Um, how are you doing in this COVID world? We are catching up with you post your release of the... Bill Phil uh, cast strength and your 18-year-old PX cast strength, uh, which seem to have gone incredibly well. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, they went, they went great. Very happy with the response. Just reminded me that I have yours still to post your samples, I promised you. <laughs> so, That's all right. It's nice to be thought of. As you said it, I went, ah, I forgot to post Matty's samples. <laughs> Well, much appreciated to be thought of. So, for everyone out there in podcast land that doesn't know you, Dahi, um, who are you? What do you do? What is your background and what are your whiskies? Um, okay, I'll try and keep it somewhat brief. I am the founder of WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants um, and CEO, I guess, at this point in time. And we are independent bottlers of, of premium whiskies, uh, Irish whiskies to date only but hopefully we'll have some some other whiskies to to uh put under that category at some point in the future um and i started o'connell whiskey in early 19 2019 we launched at whiskey live last november i think it was end of november uh, last year with with two whiskies um both single malls the triple the still repeated uh the bill phil that you mentioned and the px series which was a 17 year old uh, double still sing them all to, uh, at the time and since then we've done a, another batch of bill fill um in march and then we launched two uh cash strength releases of bill fill and um the px18 another iteration in that range as it matured uh, just at the end of august so that's where we're at at this point in time well, I think uh, a lot of people out there in podcast land will know you from the releases in Ireland. 
Um, are you available in the rest of the world at the moment or is that kind of coming down the lines for yourselves? Yeah, so obviously the focus was in Ireland and we, ha- we, we, we did plan to, to launch in some other markets this year already, but we, we kind of pushed them back a bit because of COVID, because the on-trade is massively important to our growth internationally. And we just felt we needed to, to pull back a little bit until, until things become more um, obvious as to what's happening in the world of COVID now, um, or with COVID. And so at the moment, we're in England in, in a few of the, the specialist retail shops. Um, and we will be probably launching in South Africa and the US in around the same time in around January or February. So at the moment, and then we do hope to, to launch officially in, in Germany as well and, and the UK then maybe by Christmas. But if not, we, we'll do they, they could all be hitting on the first quarter of next year. Possibly. Fantastic. We'll make sure to keep an eye out for those. So where did the whole WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants come from as a company? And where did the whiskies come out of your mind? Because they're, they're quite interesting and quite cool brands at the moment. So um, O'Connell Whiskey came from, O'Connell Whiskey Merchants was was kind of in its current guise um, as an independent bottler, only came about at like literally January 19th. Uh, before that, I had looked at opening a distillery uh, in, in some considerable detail. Um, like I'd gone to, to site, um, secured, subject to planning permission on a 25-acre site down in Killarney, obviously. So that worked out well that we didn't go down there, um, confusing the nation. Uh, but uh, yeah, just kind of pulled out of it. And, and, and the landscape at the time obviously didn't really suit an independent bottler. Um, there wasn't that many distilleries that you might be able to source liquid from at the time. So um, landscape changed, a few things happened, you know, things happened. You got a bit older and became a family man and um, just decided I didn't want to miss out and regret uh, not trying something in whiskey. And then I just felt independent bottler was a, was a mantra and a mantle I was, or a mantle I suppose I was willing to take up and I just felt that nobody in Irish whiskey had taken it on really uh, and embraced it like the Scottish whiskey um, independent bottlers have done and, and are known around the world for. So that's that's kind of where it came from. And then, so I sourced whiskey off Dr. Don Teeling, um, some Cooley stock and some and some GND stock, Great Northern. And that's that's where it came from. So the Bill Phil is, is a Great Northern stock. That was it's 2016. Uh, distill it in, in all the releases so far um, started off at three years and five months then we got the three years and ten months for the for the second release and the cast strength got the four was it four years and two months so we're seeing it progress um, and the the 17 year old came from Cooley and that's been 17 years in in um, bourbon barrels and then we we put in the px uh, casks that have been in the American oak px casks uh, two two five liter ones, and we have several casts of that left still. So we kind of release that slowly, and people again get to experience that as it matures and ages. So we had the seventeen, and then we had the eighteen. So we'll have a nineteen and a twenty, obviously as well, and we'll see after that. Fair enough. So the objective of the company is not to be a distillery producer. You guys are focused on working through stocks that are available from other distilleries around the country, be they new make stocks or, or age mature stocks. 
and putting your own WD O'Connell twist on them. Is that the idea? Yeah. So, so the plan at the moment is, is to increase our stocks in mature, already mature whiskies uh, and to, to start buying new make spirit and, and laying down that new make spirit in casks that we've sourced through our partners um, and my own personal network, like in some of the bodegas and, and uh, cognac distilleries, um, vineyards, uh, and some cooperages in the US as well. So the whole idea is to, is, to, is to activate that or action that at some point in the near future and start filling so that at some point in the future, maybe you know seven, eight years down the road, all the whiskies that we'll have had that we will release will have come from being new make. They started out new make and they'll have gone into casts of our choosing rather than us picking up whiskies that went into somebody else's casts of, of their choice at the start, you know. And is there something you're focusing on in particular? Like, will the Bill Phil be the kind of lead skew going forwards? Or are you looking into pots still or grains or what What in the world tickles your fancy? Yeah, so single, single malt and pot still are... are the main focus for now I'm not you know we're, we're looking at some other stuff but I'm hoping to do some contract distilling and we might hopefully do some variations on maybe some rye or maybe some sour mash or something like that um would be interesting I want to kind of play around with it but at the moment there that would be a distraction so uh, you know the main the main business plan as I've mapped it out is to focus on single malt so that'd be double distilled malt and triple distilled peated malt and whatever becomes available, then I don't know, maybe double distilled peter will become available from some of the newer distilleries as well. And that I'm not saying we, it always has to be triple distilled or always has to be from Great Northern, but that's what's available now. Um, and then pot still as well. Obviously, there's a lot of distilleries laying down pot still in Ireland now. So we, we would like to start acquiring some of their stocks. So everyone is on notice to know they'll be getting a phone call or email from me. Um, to see if they'll part with some of their precious casks and yeah so grain like i i do i i do like grain whiskey and i have we have plans to do some grain but i it won't be uh regularly like say like the bill fill will become a regular product um in small batch releases in, in different markets and in different cast strength or different strengths maybe with different flavor profiles but it will be always there and the pot still, we will always try to have one of those when we do launch it um, as well. And again, it will kind of take us a couple of years to figure out which is the sweet spot for that. And that's the whole idea of the batches and we get to experience it and the customer gets to experience it as, as we see how it matures. And, but eventually we will have to have something that pays the bills on a regular basis. And when you were setting up uh, did you expect the response from the Irish whiskey community uh, particularly? I focus, every time we speak, I focus on the Bill Phil because it is, I think, the, the what, what you're most well known for. And I, forgive me if you disagree on that. But I think people get very excited for the Bill Phil releases. Uh, and was that the kind of idea at the beginning or was it meant to be more of a one-off or has it kind of just blossomed nicely into its own kind of personality? No, when I tasted the stocks, when I when I first went to Great in Order and I, I I knew we were onto something special. My brother was actually with me that day, Rory, and we left and the car talking on the way back down going that peated. Did, we didn't even expect that there was peated there. And then I said, that's pretty special. We're going to have to pick up some of that. I think that's that, you know, it's we have to do something with it. 
And then I knew then at Whiskey Live it would get us some sort of extra coverage. Like, it's not like there was that many Pewter whiskies out there, you know, we had Connemara and that was pretty much it. Um, and I knew Hinch were going to be launching. So, you know, we, I'd seen the photos online and stuff, but they hadn't launched. So I was very keen to get, to be first to, to take that little monocle if I could, you know, it's the small wins for the smaller, the smaller companies. So um, it worked out really well. Like, and look, the PX range, you know, we we don't release as much of that as the bill fill. I mean, we haven't released a lot of bill fill yet, like, but, you know, obviously it's in smaller uh, quantities and it's much more expensive. So it's a lot easier to sell more. More people have drank bill fill than... than um, the PX range. Yeah, somebody actually emailed me recently or sent me a message that more less people have drank the PX than have climbed Mount Everest. So I found that kind of funny. <laughs> Quite, a, quite an interesting observation for someone just to send you a random email on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, take it. Yeah. I can't remember. Somebody sent it recently. I found it. I said they should be part of my marketing team. Uh, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. So, yeah, that's that, That's the thing. Like, it's the, it's just how it started was I knew it would get us. And, and having two bottles on a shelf at the same time gets us some more presence. And that was the other reason behind it. So. You know, it's not all romanticism. There's a business we're trying to grow, grow as well, so we need to try and take the wins when we can get them, and take the shelf space when we can get it too. Exactly. It's hard to don't. hard to dis, dis, excuse me. It's hard to launch a brand with just one skew in particular as well. And as you said, the shelf presence having two is a fantastic to have the two facings. But pre-COVID, what was it like trying to break into the Irish whiskey industry as an independent bottler? What were the challenges you were facing? You know, what were the hurdles you had to overcome or even the things that you didn't expect would have been challenges in the beginning? Um, design, I found, you know, I was when I started out, I was going to go down a different route. And then I met this great design team um, called Together Recreation. They kind of asked me what I wanted to be as a whiskey maker and what, what we didn't want to be more importantly. And we found the process really great to, to work with and uh, we ended up with something completely different. So that, but it was, it was a complete, I had to rip up everything I had my envisaged first initially, which was fine. It was an easy decision. That, so that was an easy decision, but it took quite a long time to do it. And when you're on your own, you have to make the decision and you have to live by that decision. You can't blame anyone else. There's very few people you can, you can ask about their opinions and that, but ultimately it's up to you. And that's what I found the hardest, I guess. Um, then I didn't realize how difficult it would be to get a bottle to fit, you know, what bottle am I using? Which comes first, the bottle or the label and the cork type and, you know, all things all, you, you're obviously very familiar with, with your job and I was going to say, coming from a person who works for a bottling, uh, bottling hall, the bottle has to come first. Make sure it can be good. Make sure it can go down the line, then do the label. <laughs> yeah, because back then, that, then you've decided on something, and that's like, well, okay, if we go down this route, then that the label has to fit that. So you can't. So I was doing it backwards at the start. I was trying to get a lot, label designed even before I had a bottle, and so when I met these guys, I they straightened it all out. And so I found that I found that interesting. It, it just took a bit longer. Than I thought, and then I didn't realize how difficult it would be to get bottled. That was the other thing. Obviously, we've got GI verification sites in Ireland, and there's not that many, there's not that many of them available to to bottle for for third party. 
So luckily, your you know your, your parent company is Bottling Line and Mary's, and Don and the guys there, and John and Arthur were, were look good enough to take me on, and uh, that was touch and go for Whiskey Live. You know, it was it was it was they did hand filled and hand labeled forty eight bottles, I think, of each for me uh, the day before, and that's that's how we got started. Uh, from from small acorns do mighty oaks grow, as they say. Uh, from 48 bottles to where you are now, it's a, it must be quite an interesting journey. Um, from post-launch, um, I suppose, what are the challenges for an independent bottler? Because per- presumably not having kind of a continuous core range that you're going to go forward with, the perhaps the distributor arrangements or the retail arrangements would be quite different than a brand with kind of a an original core that'll always be there, etc., yeah, the conversations I think are, are a little more difficult. So you have to really try and find your, do you, I have to do my own research on our distribution partners in a lot more detail because, you know, there might be a lot of dis- potential distribution partners out there, but then when you're looking at a product line like ours, which is essentially luxury whiskey uh, at that premium price points, it's a much smaller field or pool to choose from. Um, so, so that's definitely a challenge trying to find the right partners um, in each territory that we want to go into. Um, I guess here in Ireland, we're going to distribute ourselves for the foreseeable. We're not going to outsource, it. you know, it's small enough country to manage. We've got some great, great people we work with already, you know, on the retailers and the on trade and the, and the online side of things. So that's, that's going to be our focus on Ireland is just to distribute ourselves and long-term I can't really see that change. If we do have wholesale partners, obviously also that will, that will sell the bottles into the on-trade in smaller amounts, but um, we, we won't be doing that side of the distribution. But I guess what are the challenges we face next? I, like lack of stock really is probably the biggest challenge we face, Mac or Matt. Um, the, the prices and lack of stock. So basically, obviously, because there's a lack of it, the price is going way up. And every time you you want to get get your hand some stock, somebody else has gone come and taken it from out from underneath you. Such is the demand there for mature stock now from all the new players in the market. You know, there's new brands popping up every week. It seems like there's almost a new brand or a new distillery announced, and you know they all want mature stock because none of them have it, and that's the biggest problem i'd say we face is making sure we can get our hands on enough of it to be able to scale and meet the demand in other markets and when you're going to places like these third-party distilleries are those conversations starting with this is what i'd like or is it more what is available it's what's available let's have a look at what's available and what are you doing and what are your plans and then that's pretty much it like it's it's give me your give me your list of what's there and then obviously i like to have the conversation of is there a possibility to contract distill at some point um you know things and like what that. what do you have in your mind for contract distilling because usually people who own their own farms or you know come from farming backgrounds are looking to contract distilling are you looking for bespoke mash bills or do you have ideas of particular grains you want to bring in or what's what's going on around the head um, well, I've got, we're going, we're going planting about 30 acres of barley um, in County Carlow next spring with an old school friend of mine. 
um, just for a bit of fun, really. You know, it's a handy school friend to hand to have. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how good he is when it comes to getting the barley and what the yield is like. Um, but uh, it'll be fun. Look, that's it's just that's the whole thing. We want to work with with people we get on with, and um, I thought that would be something nice to do. And then we'll have to figure out then where we're going to distill it and what we're going to use it for uh, at some point in the future. We haven't. Like, I wish I could tell you there's a, you know, a very solid concrete plan written down, locked away in a vault, but there is not. It's, we're, we're, we're kind of on the, on the fly, some things pop up and you go, yeah, let's just make a decision on it and see what happens. Um, like I said, I'd love to do some like sour mash stuff and, and, uh, some rye whiskeys and things like that. So they're not for everybody either. You know, that's a pretty specialized, um, type of distillation and not every outfit will want to do it and clog up their their equipment and things like that so it's it it's just about kind of doing it over time obviously some of this might happen for two years or three years or four years or five years it's just going to take time we can't be in a rush to do it that's why the focus has to be on the core product range and the core products we need now to grow and when we have those in place then i can spend some time on, on the fun on the kind of side projects and the other fun things exactly and do you see the core range growing within that time frame before you start focusing on the fun things as you say yeah there'll be a pot still release possibly before christmas Ooh, very the, interesting um we've been working on it since, since i started so it's just kind of added another couple of strings to it recently so it's just we'll just see if it's if we're happy with it and then if 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 we are then it'll get bottled but we just have to wait and see but it won't be too far away and is there uh, any more cheeky details you could give us on that cast types or is it going to see the cast strength or 46 or are you going to keep that all in your hat for the moment I, well I, I won't know the abv until uh, until i decide on it whether it's a single cask or if it's a vatting of multiple casks uh, and is it the same style of cask or is it you know there's a couple of, there's three or four different cast types. So we have a bit to play with. Very so interesting. It just means, um, I'll just, yeah, it's just going to be very late call. So we're just designing the label up now so that we can kind of have the most of the work done in advance if we do decide to buy. And you said at the beginning that together we create, we're the kind of architects behind the labels of the W. O'Connell Whiskey Merchants. Do they still work with you in terms of the building out of the core range in terms of design and labels? Or is that do they kind of build the four corners and somebody else kind of paints in within the lines? No. So we we went back to them for the cast strength releases where we, we kind of, we might have, we made the bottle, obviously it's a 50 CL bottle we went with um, from a price point of view, but also I wanted to have a bottle that differenti- differentiated <clears throat> our range so that people walk into an off license or a bar they'll see the 50 cl and without even from a distance they'll know that's castrate that's yeah. what i want to get to to be aware of and so we so we made the bottle smaller but we made the labels or pop a lot more so we use the same the same basics that were there for the original original bill fill and we just gave them more oomph i suppose and uh, it was together we created that, and they're they're working now on tube design for the next phase as well, and for our capsule design, and cork design, and um, 
pastel design, as I mentioned as well. Sounds like a lot of uh, different pieces in the work in the pipelines as it is. Um, are are you excited when it comes to the design process, um, or what, or is it more the liquid side, or are you you're shaking your head at you know the the visual is horrible for an audio medium, um, but it's funny I always say that I'm a creative problem solver, but if you give me a pen and pencil I'm useless, uh, and the people who do especially alcoholic beverage design, I write a lot of design briefs and I make as I said a second ago I do the four corners I'm like here's the idea of what I want and here's definitely not what I want and color color the insides and they always tend to do a fantastic job but I'm looking at you you're, you're not you're not the design side either are you not no no not at all I, I I know what I like and I can make a very quick decision as soon as I see something but the guys really are are, are, are at together recreate are driving all of the, the brand stuff so you know, we gave him a one-page brief at, from Borbia and ourselves at the time, Nick up in Borbia, and we said, let's design a brand from the ground up, and which is not something a lot of ages get to do. So and I think that's, and, and it just, that made it cleaner. And then as a result, they got exactly what, what I wanted to build and what I wanted to achieve. And I think it comes across in the label and design, the simplicity of it and the you know, transparency and honesty that's on the on the bottles. And that's exactly how we intend to go forward long term. So I'm always just going to go back to them and say, look, what we're trying to do at the moment is we're trying to set out the guidelines so that when it comes to designing the next label, if anything ever happens to the guys that together we create or whatever, we can just hand that over to somebody and say, these are the guidelines that must be stuck to. And these are the ones that you can play around with. And, and things like that. This is the next bottle. So we have our 750 ml bottle. We know what that's going to look like. We know what the pot still bottle is going to look like. We know, you know, we're kind of we're kind of a couple of years ahead. Whereas up till now, we've kind of been trying to chase because I said, okay, we're going to launch a whiskey live. So there's your deadline. Let's get it done. Uh, you know, then I'm I'm going to launch it in March maybe. Yeah, I'm definitely it's it's February. Let's get something done. Like, and then the printers are going crazy because I'm giving them putting them under pressure. So we're trying to get ahead of that now and plan ahead like like an organized company should be. <laughs> we're we're going to get there eventually. And look, really, yeah, you asked earlier, was I happy with how we were received in the progress? I looked back at an email I had written to somebody in March or April of 19, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to do about 30,000 in sales in 2020. Like, and we've completely smashed that out. I was, I was kind of looking at doing it as a part-time gig almost. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to stop working as a consultant of what I was doing. So I just, obviously two months later, I put that all in because I realized it wasn't going to, time wasn't going to allow me to do this part-time and grow it. You know, you couldn't be kind of ha- one foot in, one foot out of it. And, you know, the response has been really great, but I couldn't have done that without getting, I think, the branding we got. Because if I had done it my way, We'd have looked like every other brand on the shelf almost. And it's one of the things I do quite like about the label, you know, the white of the label almost push it. If you, if you sit it next to other whiskies, it almost pushes them aside. It creates its own space to be read rather than just kind of full of design. And um, I think uh, that that premium white 
crisp, clean information. It almost reminds me of the kind of the premium Balvenie range or something from Scotland that they do that very well, that that kind of premium yeah. stance. Um, and I do like that quite a lot about your range. But one of the things I mentioned earlier was that, um, you know, the, the Bill Phil, uh, I think, has quite a, a, a almost a cult following uh, amongst the Irish whiskey community and, and with the Irish whiskey retailers. How, I suppose, important are the homegrown fans or, you know, what what's their response been like um, for the WD O'Connell range? Well, I guess, I guess in the echo chamber that is Irish whiskey online, you know, you kind of get, you get to hear what you want to hear, I guess. It's been really positive. And everybody, all of those people have supported O'Connell whiskey and the Bill Phil or they have their favorite, whether it's the Bill Phil or the PX or whatever. It's... They're our brand ambassadors. They're, it's brand advocacy they've created and they're telling their friends about it. And, you know, one person recommends it, another person recommends it. And that and their bottle sharing that happens and somebody, I'll send you a sample, you got to try it. And then the next time they buy a bottle and they try and get somebody. So without all of that, you know, and that was the whole idea of going to Whiskey Live was to actually meet the people on the ground, the consumers who were going to buy it. If, imagine if we had to try to do that this year. We hadn't done it last year. You know, your, 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 all your plans are out the door. And we were really lucky timing-wise, I guess. And But I couldn't say enough about the community. I said it from day one that everybody has been massively supportive. And I love the way people have got behind, you know, Bill Phil in particular, like you said, it's like a little bit of a, uh, has a little bit of a cult following starting. But it's still very small. Like it's tiny amounts, tiny amounts of whiskey. And it's still a small group but the whole market is very important to us it's look it's the third largest market in the world and it 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 does there's a there's a big bar scene here we get a, normally in normal times we get about 11 million visitors a year i think into ireland at the last count so that's that has to be important because like if every tourist who comes into a bar or a restaurant or a five-star hotel in ireland for a nice premium off license is and we have an advocate behind each of those counters and they're pushing our brand because they like what we're doing and they like the quality. Um, that's going to, that's going to reap rewards long-term, you know, back in their home countries as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll take a moment to uh, just say another thank you to our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Cologne, the true distillery dedicated to transparency, cast strength bottlings with integrity and without any color or filtration. Clone Distillery, the past and the future of Irish pot still. And the Bill Phil, triple distilled, peated single malt with double D O'Connell whiskey merchants, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell whiskey across all platforms or visit WD O'Connell for more details. There's your little shout out, Dahi. Um, and irishmalts.com, new whiskies, old whiskies, and everything in between, delivering to Ireland, the UK, Europe, and most US states. Visit irishmalts.com to browse their full range, including the full Cologne and WD O'Connell whiskey ranges. So I suppose we are sitting here in the what's now the tail end of 2020. Um, what has the world of COVID done to, I suppose, your expansion plans or growth plans for the, the whiskey range? Um, as I think I mentioned earlier, I touched on it, it just put the brakes on a couple of, couple of releases that we planned for, for two markets and kind of made and also because um a couple of investors who were coming in at last spring like we had the deal done but we hadn't got the the ink wasn't 
wasn't on the paper yet, unfortunately, or the money wasn't in the bank and they pulled out the minute, like as soon as COVID hit. And understandably, like what can you say to people? Uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. So that those are the two biggest um, issues we had. So we put the brakes on a couple of a couple of markets and we had to pull back on spending so and hiring of people, et cetera, things like that. So that that that's probably the unfortunate side of it. And hopefully as a result, we maybe have made some we maybe have some better avenues to go down as a result of that for next year once things open up a bit better and we can be sure we can travel. Because that's it's really important that if we're going into a new market that I can actually attend that market or, or one of the key members of the team who will join us can attend that market and service it because we're not a multinational we're trying to take market share from somebody else and it's all about telling the story and if if we can't do it um face to face it's a little more difficult so i think i, I think the, the future is positive I, I wouldn't be any way negative about the future of whiskey in general but i think it could be a bit longer before things pick up again like the on trade is gonna is really suffering now but long term how does the on trade look in ireland and other markets like ireland has been the worst hit on trade probably um i was in germany earlier in the summer and obviously everything is open so it's a little different but importers etc are probably slower to take on new SKUs or new ranges and spend money on that while things are uncertain so once things open back up again, I'm sure whiskey and Irish whiskey in general will be strong again. But it's just, it, 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 people may have to change their business models a little. And did you have to work with your existing partners around the world uh, to shift from that on on trade to push a larger off trade focus? Then no, because we were very off trade focused to begin with, and we had just about I had literally just started to do a bit of on trade work in March, and we had signed up. I think Bowles had put us in as Bill Phillip as Whiskey of the Month. And then we had Garvin's and Galway lined up and we had some bars in Galway lined up just as we launched the Bill Phil Batch 1. And then COVID came in. And then I, my plan was to be actually on the road for most of the summer around Ireland, getting to meet all the bars and, and get tastings organized. And we had, some, we had some nice events lined up in the UK as well for some tasting events too in some nice locations. So all of those had to had to change, but it didn't really change. Didn't really change what we were already doing. Um, as I said, the only change was that we just had to pull back in a couple. And they weren't big releases in these markets; they were small, single casks at a time. Um, so it wasn't a huge it wasn't a huge problem because I also pulled back on the hiring of people, so I reduced our any loss of sales was balanced out by you know we didn't have to take on additional overhead as a result so we weren't i'm sure other people were much more affected i i you know i don't have the overhead of a distillery or something like that to, or a team of staff to pay so i was very lucky really i didn't have the stress as other people um have been unfortunate to to experience yeah that's fair enough uh so are you i suppose in the post-covid world looking to spearhead kind of your advocacy and ambassador team going forward or were ambassadors to the range something you were looking to add pre-pulling back before COVID? Yeah, we're definitely looking to add them, um, starting in Ireland, obviously, and then and then growing it out from there, Ireland, Europe, and beyond. But um, I guess I have to spearhead it for the time being. And then 
some point let somebody else off to do it because I can't be in all places at once. So, but at the moment, I only have to be here, so it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's easy. But yeah, no, the plan is, you know, we do want to make, we'd be hoping to make maybe somewhere between three and five hires between now and the end of next year. Okay, fair enough. And you mentioned that you don't have the overheads of a distillery and you kind of touched on it at the beginning. What was the turning point where you said, you know what, I have all of this sunk costs and, and time and effort gone into this distillery project. I'm just calling it and we're going to look at a different avenue. What was the reason for the, put, the decision to pull out of it? Yeah, essentially, and refocus. Yeah, well, I, yeah, uh, well, essentially, at the time, I had, um, I, I had another business I'd founded in that was headquartered in Dubai that I started in Hong Kong, and I was working in that, and I'd been traveling back and forth to Hong Kong for a year, and then I moved to Dubai for a year and a half um, to focus on that. At the same time, I was trying to get the, the, the distillery up and running, you know, and we'd engage with, you know, consultants and foresights and um, architects firms and yeah, if, like you name it, we had, we had I'd gone down and it was all me. There was, when I say we, sorry, it was me. And we had, we had agreed some, I had agreed some money to be raised for the project. And then once we got planning, we would have done without and trying to get, fulfill it. But it was, it was a 15 million euro development. So that was what it was looking like. And, uh, with the other company I had going and then I was married and at the time and my marriage actually failed just because I was constantly on the go and constantly working and that kind of was the reality check that something you can't just keep operating at this level and thinking everybody's you know not everybody wants to be around somebody that's like that all the time either so and that was obvious so um kind of had to just take stock and and reassess and just pulled out of it but I didn't have, I didn't, I then I didn't think about it for a couple of years. I always kept an eye on whiskey because I, I used to buy a lot, I buy a lot of whiskey. I still do, I still enjoy a drink of whiskey. That didn't change. And then it's just, um, then when my dad passed away then in 19, was it 19, 18, sorry, um, September 18. And, and I had just become a dad three months before that myself. It was like, you kind of, I kind of got a sense of my own mortality and then you're kind of going you know i wonder did my dad have regrets did he f ever wish he had done something else or gone off in a different direction you know he was a school teacher and a principal for his whole lifetime like from the time he was 20 to you know a couple of years before he he died essentially and you know did he, I, well, I never asked him i was like did he ever want to do something else was there ever anything possibly not but i i, I knew i had other things i wanted to do so that was kind of that was it and then with the support of my new partner alina um, you know, she, if she wouldn't allow me the, the leverage and the leeway to do it, I wouldn't be doing it. That's the reality because you just can't, there's, you know, I started, I had a call this morning at six 30 in Bangkok. I had one to Hong Kong at half seven. And then, you know, t uh, last night I had calls from eight or before eight as well, before I jumped on three drams, seven to eight. And I started my first call to Hong Kong at seven in the morning as well. So. The day can be quite long. You can take a couple of hours in between, and when you have a small family, there's a lot of demands on you. So it's, it's you need that support. So they were they were the reasons that that I got out of that project. And I, you know, I just realized at the time it was just too big a project. Like I, I needed to hire everybody for that. The distillery was, you know, fifteen to twenty people, and 
at that point in time, I had nobody and I was doing it all myself. So uh, it just didn't seem feasible. And also looking at the numbers, it didn't seem feasible best in a distillery. If I was an investor looking back at it, looking in at it from the outs from the other side, I felt where did the returns come from and when did they come? It's just so capital intensive for a long, long time. Whereas an independent bottler, it might be capital intensive, but it's nothing compared to setting up a distillery. Yeah, I remember someone used to say to me that uh, if whiskey was invented tomorrow and whiskey distilleries were invented tomorrow, no one would invest in them. <laughs> the first three years, it's all money in and no money out. Uh, from a pure balance, bo- uh, balance sheet point of view, it makes absolutely no sense. Huh. And three years is probably being very generous. You know, that's that's where you can probably start to maybe start seeing revenue. You're probably not going to see real revenues for ten years. Yep. You know, unless you're unless you're great in order, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> well, here, here's a question for you, and, and it might not have an answer. Uh, for the distillery that never happened, the distillery that would, uh, uh, you know, essentially, what were you going to name it? <laughs> I actually had a company registered called Kerry Distillers. Okay. Uh, the Clarity Whiskey Company. So now, I, and, and, and actually, I had a back, I had a 25-acre site I was looking at just out on the out on the um ring of Kerry route out towards Killorgan. So it's actually just past a couple of would have been a couple of miles past where the new Canary distillery is being built at the moment. And that site that they're building on was my backup site that I was going to go to. <laughs> but I had never approached the owner. I knew the guy who owned it at the time. But uh I never approached him because I never got to the sense that I needed that as a backup because everything was progressing so well at the other location. But um, I, I think, look, it's that's, and that's a really cool development. I think Clarny is crying out for something like that. You know, there wasn't a big history. I don't think there's any history of distillation in Kerry anyhow. Obviously, you've got Dingle now, but Clarny is really the capital of tourism uh, outside of Dublin. and. Um, it's it's ripe for it, so I think those guys are going to do very very well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned a couple of different familial connections there uh, in, in the last few minutes. Where did the name Bill Phil come from? Yeah, so Bill Phil, I'm a Bill Phil, so I'm I'm Dahi Bill Phil, I guess, or or David Bill Phil, it depends who you're talking to. And uh, um, essentially, it came from my great grandfather was William Philip O'Connell hence the bill and the fill. And um, he was a blacksmith down in a small village in, in West Limerick called Mount Collins. And as there are still today in, in some of these smaller areas, a lot of the same family names, but they mightn't be related. So a lot of O'Connells or McCarthy's or Nolans, it depends on what part of the country you're from. Uh, and in this particular village, it was O'Connell was quite a popular surname. So to differentiate, he became known as Bill Phil. And all his family then became known as Bill Phil. So uh, my grandfather then was Jackie Bill Phil, and then my dad was Billy Bill Phil, and I'm a Bill Phil, and my uncles down there are Bill Phil. So it's still how we're referred to today. And uh, um, the original Bill Phil and my my grandfather, Jackie, uh, they both were blacksmiths, and they both uh, used to forge tools for numerous tools and machinery and that, but essentially 
one for cutting turf or footing turf, depending on the part of the country you're in again. Uh, Schlon and the Bill Phil Schlon was quite famous. And when the edge wore off, it was good for for uh, digging the spuds up, seemingly, the tail fods and uh, things like that. So they were quite well known far and wide for it. And it just seemed that, you know, a turf cutting tool or a peak cutting tool. Um, and when you're doing a whiskey, I just felt it was a nice kind of way to 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 bring that that story to life and not forget these people like you know that they were real leaders in their communities and how different ireland was back then we've all seen how rural ireland has changed in our lifetimes never mind how it's changed since their lifetimes and we'll probably never see that again so it's kind of nice to be able to stick it out there and tell the story to a bigger audience which is which is kind of cool yeah exactly I like that you're saying the, the the names to differentiate the family. I know a lot of my friends down in, in particularly West Kerry, like one of the lads I work with, his name is Cullum, but everyone calls him Matty because his family is the Matties. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, a, and a guy I actually used to work with in the States, uh, Niall O'Connor from Dingle, and uh, his family are the Mollocks. Um, so he's just called Connie Mollock, which is an abbreviation of his last name plus Mollock. So he, yeah. he's just yeah. Connie Mollock. And, and you have the first name as well. My grandfather, Jackie, that I called, his name was Sean O'Connor. Whatever we call him, Jackie. Jack is John and John is Sean. Like, how that happens, I don't know. Only in Ireland is that possible. And the WD is I'm William David. But my parents then called me David. And then my dad decided to go by David. And then my dad is a Gael Gore and a school principal. And he called me Dotty. And then all the people around the local village called me Dotty. So that was kind of where that came from. So... You know, not commu- not confusing at all for you as a child. Not, not at all. I've just done it to my son. I called him William Carl. I actually called him William Carl Phillips, so he's got Bill Phil in there. <laughs> uh, Carl after his great-grandfather in Germany and uh, William and Philip after his great-great-grandfather in Ireland. So. so a new Bill Phil generation anyway. Yeah, that would be nice. Be nice to have. be nice to have a... a a whiskey like hopefully when you build a whiskey business or try to build a whiskey business we're in our infancy like we're literally at the embryonic stage so it's like can we get to not even infancy so can we get to adulthood you know can we get to our 20s and that would be that would be great and to be able to see if maybe maybe they won't who knows um, and what would what would adults see for the company look like in your head what is that benchmark to overcome to grow into full adulthood or middle middle ages would be well like i think if we get if we get to the 10 year mark i'll be we'll probably be able to sustain something then really long term um but you never know i guess but that's kind of where i'd see it um we the whole plan at the moment is now to develop the 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 grand home and get that built and have a location where we can interact with some 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 amounts of our stock not all of it i I can't imagine me being able to afford a bond of that size anytime uh soon but in the future maybe and uh, maybe a small hand bottling line would be really useful um uh, make us more agile and maybe people can come place people come and visit and say hello and uh, if they want you know and interact and, and things like that so that's that's kind of the next step and then you know, if in, in five, seven, ten years we have a good we have a good distribution network set up and we're still going and we have a lot of stocks maturing and coming of age at that time, um, I'd probably be a little more comfortable at that stage. 
Fair enough. And where do you foresee this brand home for yourself? Uh, hopefully it'll be down the road here in County Waterford. So we have a location. We're just working through some things with, with, with our architect now that we've, we've appointed an architect's firm to deal with, with some of the, the applications we're going to have to put in. It doesn't require big construction or anything like that. Um, it's just it's just change of use and things. So it's um, but there's a heritage building attached to it. So we need to well, part of it is a heritage building and part of it is not. So just we need to make sure we do things right um, before we go in there. And yeah, hopefully we'll get that moving for for next year at some part early next year. Fantastic. So I think we're coming to a very natural end here, which I, I quite enjoying. Uh, all of the stories um, that you've been sharing with us. If people want to find out more about your whiskies and your stories, where should they be looking? Um, well, we're on wdoconnell.com and all our social channels, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook are at O'Connell Whiskey. We're not on TikTok yet. We'll have to wait till we get a, we'll have to wait till we get a brand ambassador who can do some TikTok videos. Maybe. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that's that, that's where we're at, and, and you know, if anyone ever has any questions or are trying to source something in a particular country or or county or whatever it is, you know, I'm always uh, available for on a direct message or an email or whatever. So there's no. And by the sense that you're working both morning and late nights, so uh, <laughs> with your calls yeah. into the different time yeah, zones, a lot, so. a, lot the, a lot of the Twitter interaction and and that and Instagram. I don't spend a whole lot of time on Facebook, and I won't get too old for that. Um, is at night time, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of yeah. The messages are coming when people are finished work and they have their downtime or their kids are gone to bed. So, so I say you'd be very surprised to see how live whiskey Twitter is post nine pm on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it can be quite can be quite a live post midnight on a Sunday. <laughs> exactly. Well, I have very much appreciated your time. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to the current show sponsors, which is IrishMalts.com, where. It, the WD O'Connell whiskies are still available, I believe. Uh, perhaps not the single cast, but um, there are some available uh, on the site. This will uh, go out a little bit later on and people will be listening back. So I'm just going to say right now, yeah, there's definitely, and if there aren't, it was terrible. They're not there anymore. Exactly. Keep an eye out. None of Irish malts at the moment, but they're getting some back in stock. We're, we're after finding a few cases later on in the place. So. Oh, very good. Uh, and a big thank you to Cologne uh, as well um, as yourself Dahi with WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants and particularly for this episode the Bill Phil as peated single malt and uh, we very much look forward to seeing what's coming next pre-Christmas single pot still keep our eyes out yeah I'm looking forward to it too that, that that's probably I'm very excited about the pot still so hopefully people will, will we're trying to find the name actually so if anyone wants to to uh, pitch in and send us some thoughts uh, you know where to find me, keep them clean and it's a family show and, and all that. But um, Listen, I always thought the Tashcon sounded like a great name, but yeah, what, what do I know? Um, <laughs> well, Dahi, yeah. thank you so much for your time. And if uh, anyone does get in touch through this for a name for the single pot still, I'd love to hear about it and we'll give a big shout out to them as well. 100%. Thanks very much for your time, Matt, and for uh, your, all your support. It's much appreciated. Not a problem. Slon. Slon.